I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, not spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. And God will do something special for you today in the name of Jesus. Now if you are present here or you are listening to this from anywhere, I want you to know that God is releasing a healing anointing and you are going to receive your portion in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be preaching on healing or I may be preaching on healing. I don't know. I don't have any plan in that direction yet. But I'm certain of one thing. Once you are hearing this word today, the Spirit will ride upon the words and touch you in your body, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Understanding will come to you. Amen. Direction will come to you. Amen. Insight, clarity will be your portion today. Amen. In Jesus' name. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and get into the teaching for today. Alright, I'm going to start today from the book of Luke. This is what salvation is. This is what salvation is. We need to understand what salvation is. And we are going to take that today from the book of Luke chapter 15. The book of Luke chapter 15. Now, I've been studying some things in this line for some time, and I ended last time uh, when I began to speak about what death is. That was my plan for the last time, but the Lord took us in different dimensions, and we ended up speaking um, so much on why Adam and Eve made the terrible mistake when Satan said to them, you will not surely die. And we have to explain what death means. So important. What really is that death? Because the mistake we make, sometimes God will say something, we give it a human interpretation, we give it a human translation, and then as a result, we do something that is not right. Do you understand? For example, here you talked about death. Maybe Adam was thinking that he would collapse and die, and many of us will read it, we think Adam should just collapse and die. And Adam didn't collapse, he didn't die. Eve did not collapse, she did not die. You understand? Okay? Well, what was God saying about death? Remember, um, Satan is not a philanthropist. He doesn't love you. The person that loves you, the person that wants to do something for you with nothing attached to it. Let me quickly drop that. I always like to drop it. If you give to God so he can give back to you, you don't love him. Do you get my point? Yes. That's not love. Love is when you just want to do something so the other party will be blessed. That's what love is. So Satan wasn't loving Adam. He was not loving Eve when he came to the garden to try and liberate them from their bondage telling them that they would not surely die. That was not um, that was what was going on. He wasn't loving them. He was trying to entrap them. He was trying to entrap them. Don't forget that. He was trying to entrap them. But when he wanted to entrap, the first thing he did was to give them the impression that they were going for freedom. That is what happens all the time. He will give you the impression you are going to be free when actually what he's doing is to entrap. He doesn't help anybody. What he wants to do is to entrap them. When they fell for his suggestion, the first thing he told them was what was wrong with their lives. For example, he said, look at it, you are naked. If you are really serving God, why did he not dress you up? I'm sure he said that because the first question God asked Adam when he said we were naked is, who told you 
you were naked. The first thing Eve told him, uh, Satan said to them was that you are naked. And that was it. Their lives were not the same again. They began to hustle and rush. At this age, you have not built your own house. You are naked. You are naked. It's God you are serving. Look at what your friends have achieved. You are naked. That's the meaning of nakedness in this modern dispensation. Satan keeps telling you when you are doing something which you believe is right, he tells you what you don't have, what you are not likely to achieve. Before you know what's happening, you start running helter-skelter. You start your own hustle and bustle. You are rushing up and down. You are no longer at peace until somebody told you you are naked. That was what he was trying to do. And once he gets into that, he keeps sinking you further, deeper, deeper into it. He starts with his suggestion that I want to help you. But when he ends up, when he ends, you are now his slave. You are his servant. You, you are in bondage to him. You start doing his bidding. Safety, freedom is only in the place where God keeps you. If God hides you somewhere, that's the only place where you are safe. Satan cannot do anything. He can't do anything to you as long as you are in the place where God kept you. So he has to pull you out. And once he has pulled you out, then he starts telling you how to live in the place. And he promised freedom. And that's what happens. People will think when they are going for freedom, what they are just going for is bondage. It's pure bondage. If you see what's going on in the world, it always starts, you know, I remember one of my colleagues told me something once. He trained uh, partly abroad. And I want, one fellow in Europe told him when they were talking, just talking about some things, and I said that that was when their people, all right, they were still held back by religion before they became free. So serving God was seen as bondage. So a lot of people bring liberation and tell people you can do anything you like. That's how you'll be liberated. But actually, at the end of the day, you know what happens? They walk into death. That's what I want to talk about again today. They walk into death. Before you know what's happening, they start having one divorce after the other. People, disease will start spreading. Mental illness will increase. Drug abuse, you see, you know, people that have everything, yet they are hooked on drugs. They are supposed to have everything. Yet they are hooked on drugs. They have no control. If you ever see a heroin addict, you know when you say a man does not have control. The drug takes all the control away from the individual. I remember then listening to Kyle DePella describe what drugs did to his life. <laughs> you see, he said he wanted to sell his own house. But for one reason or the other, he couldn't find the documents. So people did not agree to buy. So he started losing parts of the house to sell. He would remove a window, you understand, to go and sell, I'm telling you, window. After he has stripped, I don't need to tell you, he stripped all the furniture. That, that was the first to go. Electronics went. Then those ones, when they had gone, was where he said, let me sell the whole house. People brought money, and he was going to sell it to them. But he couldn't bring all the documents. So the people walked away. So when he realized that nobody could buy, would buy it, he said, pieces in the house. You know, like we say in Nigeria English, he said, pieces in the house. The one he said, which I found unbelievable, but he swore that it happened, that he climbed the roof and removed the roofing sheets. I don't need to tell you who will remove the blocks if anybody will buy the blocks. That was what drug addiction did to him. It held him in bondage. Anything promising you freedom outside God is only going to enslave you. That is what it does. It holds people in bondage. Anytime God says don't do something, it's for your own good. Let me talk about the character of God briefly again. God never, ever 
ever, ever. Okay, before I tell you what God never does, let me tell you why I'm saying so. The Bible says God is love. Amen? Is that your Bible? If you believe it, give me an amen. Good, so God is love. And Paul explained what love is to us. He said, love does not seek its own good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, love does not seek its own. So if God is love, his perfect love, then I can tell you this, he never, that's what I was saying, he never asks for anything for his own good. You can't bless him in that form. That is like make him better, satisfy a need that he has. You can't. Even when he tells you to praise him, once you see that, you should know praise is good for you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If God says, praise me, just know praise is good for you. When people do not understand the character of God, people who have rejected God, they start insulting the scriptures. Like somebody said, and this was in a theological seminary, that they got in the Bible that people need to be liberated from that doctrine about God because he's occupied with the fulfillment of his own prerogative. He wants everybody to do what he likes. And people start believing it. So God starts making statements like, uh, you shall have no other God before me. And they say, why shouldn't we? You want to be the only God. You shall serve no other God. I, I, I the Lord your God, am a jealous God. They say, look at him. Look at him. They are interpreting it as if he's a human being like themselves. Fallen human being. That's interpretation. They are interpreting as if he's a fallen human being like themselves. But he is not. He never, if he tells you, you shall have no other God before me. You know what that means? It's for your own good. There is no other God that made you. Like we reference that Psalm 100. He made us, we did not make ourselves. You cannot take your Sony electronic and take it to, um, maybe you like Apple so much. Understand? Say these Americans do not carry it to Apple to go repair. Doesn't make any sense. So your son, he says to you, thou shall have no other repairer besides me. <laughs> it's not about money. It's about the best for what you invested your money in. You, you, are you getting my point here? So when God says that, he never, ever looks for anything for himself. Never. He doesn't have anything to gain. You know, I always like to clean our brains of some funny practices we have. Some of us think that, you know, because of the way we pastors are priests, when you give an offering, you are doing God a favor. When you go to church, you are doing God a favor. You know what, somebody, uh, what um, uh, Job said? God said to Job, stay at home. Maybe they've locked all of you down. Don't come. How will they affect me? <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. It's for your own good. I know iron sharpens iron. I want it to be fed with the word. That's why I tell you to do some things. Don't forsake the garden of brethren. It's for your own good. Any commandment you see in scriptures, no matter how much it appears like God is asking for something, just know this is for my good. This is for my good. That is one thing about God. He never, he never. When people now liberate themselves, they think they are going into freedom. Because God said, you can't have sex unless you are married. They say, no, it is religious bondage. It is religious bondage. Then they, listen to me. Many, you know, I know about science. You know, the other day something happened here. They said that they suspended the trial with chloroquine. Because of something, 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 you know. And I preached about it. I said, by next week they will start it again. When they find out that uh, this something, do you know what? By the time we're editing the message to put it out, they had already started it again. Because they found, <laughs> you know, I called my wife, I said, come and see you. I, I couldn't remember saying it. 
What I'm trying to say is that I know the way science works. Some of the things they don't have answers to is because they have refused to ask the question. I don't know where I get my point. Because we don't want the truth. You don't want the truth. And, listen, and that's how science works. It's based on godlessness. And it makes me laugh because, you see, if you had the knowledge of God and understood scriptures, you know you will achieve scientific discoveries faster. They think that the knowledge of God pulls science back. It doesn't. It pushes it forward. If you go back to the early scientists, they were religious people. Everybody knows about Gregor Mendel, the father of genetics. He was a, he was a monk. He was a monk. He was a Catholic priest. They make it look like if you believe in God, you will not study science. It's not true. If you believe in God, you see clearer. You know, you see things. You understand molecules better because you have a concept. Let, let me give an example. The other day I was, I don't know whether I was on TV. I've seen on TV, I've seen online. People, sometimes they find discoveries. You know, they, they, they make discoveries of maybe a ship sank 300 years ago. By the time they find it at the bottom of the ocean, they bring it up, take all the things inside, they find a device. I saw one the other day, they began to analyze it. Trying to see, listen to this, listen to this, so, trying to see what it was made for. They didn't think it got there by accident. They said, what did the maker of this have in mind? In fact, where I saw it, they said, devices that should not exist. That checking the time that ship went down, this was a computerized mechanical device that could calculate this. They found that, they, they, they did all kinds of x-rays, you know, to try, because they didn't want to break it apart. You know, it's been under the ocean for hundreds of years, so these things become fragile. At the end of the day, what did they find? You know, I was watching it, I said, but when you find a molecule, you say it came by chance, a molecule that's intricately more complicated than this mechanical device. Now, what I'm going to say, so you see, if you had, like that, that device they found, they wanted to find out what did the maker make it for. Then discover, they decided it must have been used for deciding um, the position of the stars, the moon, dates, calendars. And when they saw how intricate it was, they said, ah, so people were this advanced even back then. What am I saying? If you understood God, which is how I approach the matter of science, you, when you discover a particular cell, molecule, whatever it is, you put it in mind that somebody put it there. So you start trying to find out why did he do that? You will find it quicker if you put it in mind that somebody made this for a purpose. And this is the truth. Eventually, scientists have to resort to that. If they try any other way, they won't go forward. What am I trying to say? They make it look as if, listen, science was bondage. And sorry, religion was bondage. It was never bondage. So they wanted to free themselves from religion. Do you know what they found? No direction. Confusion. Madness. And I read the book of Romans chapter 1. Paul said, and Paul said God needs to be like that. In fact, he gave them over to that. So a 62-year-old man, a grandfather, has many children, married. He now shows married several times before. He now says, I discovered that I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. And the president and head of state, commander-in-chief, of the strongest nation on the earth, with the largest economy on the earth, we send a tweet to congratulate him that it takes boldness to do what he did, that he came out as transgender at the age of 62. So I said, Barack Obama, you must be mad. You have to be crazy. 
There must be a degree of madness in your soul that you say it takes boldness. That's what he tweeted. That it takes boldness to do what the man did. I said, then come to Enugu. There are a lot of bold people on the road walking naked and eating from dumpsters. You, you eat from a dustbin and you are naked. You know it takes boldness. Okay, can you do it? <laughs> if he said it does not take boldness, go and do it. I will give you a million and I promise you. Afternoon, when market is busy, don't go and do it at 12 midnight and collect my money. Afternoon, when market, and let me know ahead so I can gather your family and friends. And the commander-in-chief of the world's strongest military sends a message to the whole world that it takes boldness to do that. No wonder God gave America Donald Trump. No, God needed to rescue that country. He said, if I give you Hillary Clinton, she will use boldness to address the country naked. That's, you're laughing. There's one professor, university lecturer in UK. She tells the naked truth. Yeah, she tells the naked truth. You know what they call naked truth? She will give a public lecture, stark naked. And she's a university lecturer, and they have not sacked her. Then if you tell somebody that a man can't marry a man, they will sack you. But she gives her lectures. How? Stark naked, because she says she wants to tell the naked truth. When I was a young medical student, we had names for all of these things. They were called sexual deviancy. She's obviously what we used to call an exhibitionist. But now she's just expressing herself. Listen, some of you think I know no, no, acting. I'm not telling you. It's like you go to UNM. They say one professor, let's just find one, find one, yeah, yeah, no good name. Find me one name. Don't name anybody you know that's a university lecturer because you think I'm talking about her. Anyway, one professor, just think of one female professor, is giving a lecture. And she's going to be the naked truth she'll be telling. And she mounts the pulpit, cameras, lights, see the way I'm standing here. You know what God said? Don't worry. I gave them over to madness. Thank you. Don't worry. The, 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 the woman doesn't know what she's possessed. The way you feel comfortable when you're dressed, that's how she feels comfortable when she's stuck naked. That is what happens when you leave the liberty that's in the, what they call bondage. The true liberty that God gives you in the garden and you want to go outside somewhere, you start becoming mad, you will not know it. And the 62-year-old man sat down, they were interviewing him. He said his name is now, his name used to be what? Something Jenner, yeah. what's his first name? Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner, he now became Kathleen Jenner. An Olympic, he ran Olympic, so he was an Olympic athlete. As a man. Let me not sit there. If I sit there, I will not finish my message. And then some of my brethren will say, you know, this year Nigeria is not good. I want to go and live in Sena clan. I say, who, which one is Sena? We have a, you know, there's one, one expression we use in my chat, in my class, mates, when we were chatting. They said, in the Sena climbs, you know, in Sena climbs, these things don't happen. I said, what do you call Sena climb? That Nigeria, because roads are bad, they, they I said that in Sena climbs, you call that sin? then you don't know the meaning of insanity. Two of my classmates, are, a number of them are psychiatrists, but two of them are psychiatrists in the UK. One, the other day, were speaking. One girl, okay, there's this guy who does a show. I saw the clip, a clip of it, you know, in the US. Interviews strange people. So one girl says she's white. She's white. Meanwhile, she's as black 
as me. And she wasn't joking. And she wants to be recognized as, as white. So he said, she has delusion. I said, my brother, why is it delusion? When a man can want to be recognized as a woman. I said, as long as you can recognize transgender, you should be able to, be able to recognize trans racist. So I said, support trans racism. I'm a white man trapped in a Nigerian skin. <laughs> I can feel in my soul I'm from Scotland. <laughs> I can feel it. You are laughing at me. You are a bigot. <laughs> you are hurting my feelings. If you don't recognize me as white, I'm going to commit suicide. I mean, and, and you know, it, it sounds funny, but this is what they did. Women, men, men, did not say that um, somebody is talking about him. Um, yeah, he, he's expecting his husband. I said, what did you say? Where I was born, there's no his and husband. They don't go together. Husbands go with her. You understand? His goes with what? Wife. And America was running presidential election. And a man campaigned with his husband. See, his name is Bot Gig. I said, very appropriate name. The Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. That is what happens when you leave the confines that God gives to you and you start searching for freedom. I remember when I read Frank Peretti then, This Present Darkness. There was one woman inside, of course, it's, a, it's fiction, all right? It's fiction. Sally Bethrow. She went to jail for manslaughter. Make long story, she was a witch, all right? But there's something she said which I never forgot in that book. It's, it's, it's fiction, I know. Frank Peretti wrote it. F- Sally Bethrow said that I was looking for freedom. So I left the confines that I was given. Then I came and looked. I found the open space with no boundaries. Then after moving and moving and moving, I realized I had no direction. I started looking for the fence again. I don't know, I don't know what, I what she was trying to say. Now I found the freedom. Now it's not leading me anywhere. I now realized that really, I need a fence in my life. I need something to tell me you can't go there. That's not good for you. And in real life, we don't let anybody do what they like. We, we put boundaries. You buy a car, we tell you drive on the right side of the road. No matter how you are feeling, you always rush for the right side of the road. If the bridge in front is bad, we put a sign there. Slow down. Faulty bridge. Keep left. You need direction in life. So Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, why should you have restrictions? Enjoy yourself to the maximum. There is no enjoyment outside God. Any enjoyment you have outside him is a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. That's why I want us to read from this Luke chapter 15. To see what this really means. So God said to them, you will die. The day you do that, you will surely die. They did not realize that God knew what he was saying. And decided to try it. And they died. I want to see what death is like. We began it last time. Let me just continue it. And he said, verse 11. The prodigal son story. Luke chapter 15. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. 
So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, literally when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and we say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. Notice that. Was he physically dead? No. He said this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Please think of Adam and Eve and think of the whole of mankind. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has gone his own way. And they began to celebrate here. Verse 25. Now his older brother was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. That one said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed a fattened calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. And he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. And he answered and said to his father, Look, look at the restrictions I've had to bear all these years. Look, for so many years I've been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat. That's what happens sometimes when you are serving God. It appears like he didn't give you the young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, when he came, you killed the fattened calf for him. Now is the response, again, that I want to read. Verse 31. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead, and he has begun to live. And he was lost and has been found. What does it mean to die? When God said to Adam, the day you eat of it, you will die. Let's look beyond physical, you know, death, expiring, stopping to breathe. Let's understand what death means. And I want to explain that. Jesus came to save the lost. This one was lost. Now he has been found. Jesus came to give life to those who were dead, even though they were moving around thinking they were alive. We already established that the worst of death is eternal death, eternal judgment. 
permanent damnation, which is separation permanently from the presence of God. That is what death is. That is the worst of everything. Eternal permanent separation. I don't want to start teaching that again. That is the worst form of torture. Don't argue whether a loving God will send anybody to hell because you are thinking of hell. You know, you want to know whether I will send anybody to hell because you are thinking of hell as a place where fire burns. You are thinking of hell, lake of fire, as fire, fire, fire. If you think it the way it really is, think of it like that. He can, you know it makes sense, that God will separate rebels from himself. He will separate them from himself permanently. And when he does that, I've already explained, it is worse than being burned by fire. It is literally worse. It is worse than being burned by fire. So the argument of we got a good God send anybody to hell, don't argue with anybody. It's a needless argument. Just know that because he is good, if you are evil, he won't bear with you permanently. He will separate you from him, and that is the worst of experiences that exist anywhere. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. But beyond that, like I said, there are other, before we get to that point, there are other forms of death. I want to explain it again. And that's what, what God came to liberate people from. You know, let me take it from what's going on in the world right now. A man was arrested, a bouncer, tall African man. They wanted to put him in the police car. He didn't resist initially. George Floyd, you know what I'm talking about. So, George Floyd said, I'm claustrophobic. He can't, I can't get into the police car. So he, he, he decided to fall down. So in trying to restrain him, of course, the hand, he was already handcuffed. So one man, one policeman knelt on his neck for almost nine minutes, basically killing him. Now, I'm not giving you news. And listen, this is not, I'm not giving a lecture of racism. I'm not here to fight against racism. I don't believe, listen, I'm sorry. I know this will not sound nice. I'm not trying to be a popular pastor. Other fight, white people are not wicked because I've lived in Enugu. I know the relationship between Udi men, people, and the Nkano people. So don't come and insult my intelligence here. Do you get my point? I've lived in Nigeria. I know the way the Hausa man and the Igbo man relate. I know the way Yoruba man and how Igbo man relate. You understand? I know it. So I don't want to hear that nonsense of white man discriminates. I've seen too much. When the people want to tell me, I say, my friend, shut up. I don't want to start talking here. I grew up, I, let me not say things. I've, I've seen people where I grew up say, who's that one talking? And they mention his tribe, like that one, the human being talking to somebody. Why? Because the people from that part of Nigeria, historically, they are migrant farmers and they are laborers. You know, like now, you see, there are people in Enugu right now, you know, when you want to dig a well, you know who to call. There, there's no Uche that digs a well. The Uche can dig water for you. After that, he has to go and eat. If you want to dig a well, you know who to call. You know what I'm going to say. We are streaming. Let's not talk too much. So historically, these guys, that's how they've always been. So you have a large farm. You can't farm it, your children and you alone. So they travel from a slightly, you know, northern, northern part of western Nigeria, you know. They come down and they are hired farmers. They are hired laborers. So historically, they look down on them like second-class citizens. And everybody there is black. There is a man like that. That was his, you know, heritage. But of course, people keep on advancing. He went to school. Became, listen to what I want to say. I think he became a pharmacist. 
He owned a pharmacy, one of the biggest pharmacies in the town I grew up in. Yet I heard people talk that, look at that one talking. A rich man. Yet they did not forget where he came from there. What nonsense is he talking? They just mentioned there's a way when a Yoruba man wants to insult you, he mentions the name of your tribe twice. A, if you see, you know what I'm going to say. There's a way he will repeat your, your name after itself. You know that he's insulting your whole generation. When they say white man is discriminating, I say, please, let the white man be. He should discriminate. He should. When he came to Africa, he did not have a story building. He should discriminate. Don't lie to yourself that we had Africa. You know, one day when I was serving, someone was saying that we had, we had technology before the white man came. I said technology. You had technology. Te- technology. You had technology. <laughs> I looked at him. So one day, when the barracks, I served in um, that northeast, yeah, Taraba State. So when the barracks, no, 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 that day. So some guys, you know, do go around playing music and collecting money. They now came. They were playing African. There's one funny instrument, a box that had some iron strands on it. You'd be plucking it, making nice music. So we're just there dancing. So my friend said, see, I told you we had African technology. I was happy. When they were building this, those guys were traveling with trains. What are you telling me? They, they had steam liners crossing the Atlantic. You, you call this technology? That's why they carried all of you as slaves. And that's why you're still going there as slaves till today. You call this technology? I looked at him like, you, I don't blame you. you didn't, that, that, people like you, why did they send you to NYC? You should have gone back. I was so angry with him that I said, you call this technology? I told him, I said, look, when you were doing this, these guys were building rails across North America. From their east coast to their west coast. Go and read the history of America. You will know why you should be slaves. Don't insult me. My intelligence, I mean. Okay, let's talk about slavery. <laughs> the white man did not catch any slave. He stood by the shore. And the black man went to steal his brother. Brought him to the shore, collected money. And you are telling me the white man is a slave trader. There's this lady that writes. She, I think she's abroad. Beautiful. I think she's a journalist and a writer. Um, she's from Anambra State. No, no, not, not, not uh, popular as hibiscus. I mean, this one is... Um, what's this lady's name now? She's from Anambra State. One, Uwa Obani, something like that. You, you know Uwa Obani? Yes, that's the name. Uwa Obani, something like that. I'm, I'm not gotten the name, uh, the name right. One day she, she wrote one beautiful... I don't know what it's a book about her great-grandfather, the slave trader. She came from a family of slave traders. Father was an important man in the society, a slave trader. She wrote it for BBC. So when you want to insult the white man, I just look at you and say, bros, go home, insult your own brothers first. Insult your neighbors first. You guys will fight it out. It's just convenient to point to the white man. You know, when we have a common enemy, everybody's happy. And someone is putting, you know, where we live now. They say, cut Nigeria. I say, cut Nigeria. If you cut Nigeria, I'm moving to Benue State. Because by the time the Udi man and the Nkano man, they are done, I will now come back to collect property back. <laughs> Everybody seems united now because we have one common enemy, which is called, you know, whatever it is. Human beings are evil in themselves. Okay, that's it. I've never been personally angry with the white man. Never. There's no logic behind it. He said, Kaidos as slaves, he bought from us. He stood by the seashore 
and waited for us to bring us to him. And us, we collected money. And our chiefs shared the money. But because he had more power, he kept his own slaves alive over years. Then when they liberated them, they now can speak English. They're not saying pay reparations. I said nonsense. Somebody told me, oh God, you know, this is the problem with streaming live. You know, there are many things we can't say. So one guy told me once, we we're talking about it, he said in Idiaraba in Lagos. You know Idiaraba? He mentioned one part of Nigeria, because we are streaming, I won't mention, that they will go raid that portion of Nigeria, bring the men down there, and sell four men for a horse. Did you hear what I said? That if you want to buy four slaves, you need to bring a horse. A horse was more valuable than three human beings. In Idiaraba in Lagos. They will go to war. Another part of Nigeria, let me not mention. They will gather the men there, line them up, and be selling them in Idiaraba. Four adult males for one horse. You want me to be angry with the white man? No. I'm angry with injustice. Injustice is not right. I don't think justice is right. But let's not racialize injustice. It's not a race matter. It is what is called death. It's a death matter. Once there's darkness, once there's death, there will always be slavery. And let me tell you something. The people who are not held by other human beings... I have slaves by all kinds of things. So, you know this slavery thing that is very funny. Those as you be in your house, the slave raiders will come and catch the young men and young women and take them away, bind them, keep them in Cape Coast, you know, castle there, and then the white man will come, put them on ships, and they will travel across either to Europe or to America, and then they will sell those people as slaves. After many years, hundreds of years, that trade ended. The trade ended. What ended? Me coming to raid you as slave and selling you across the Atlantic, of which a huge number will die in the process. You know what happens now? The spirit still comes. Comes by itself. Speak to people. When in their homes. Don't you want to be a slave? You say, I will be a slave. Like one man said, when they say, let us carry slaves, now say, I will go with my chain, so that they won't say chain has finished. Sounds like a joke, but they do it every day. The other day I was watching the CNN, reading a, a BBC report. And that BBC report, they described a village somewhere, I think in Sierra Leone, no, is it Sierra Leone? Or Burkina Faso, one of these West African countries. One of these French countries. And you see, they have a lot of um, Italian wives. What they call Italian wives? They are local girls, who my local men, who have gone to Italy to go and look for work. And I noticed something there, they all work on plantations and in factories. So I told my wife, I said, is this not modern day slavery? The same thing. This time around, you pay your own way. They will not use chains to bind you or give you the name of a master. You, will, they will, you with them will economically bind yourself so that you can't leave. One lady that was interviewed there said that she has a small business, that she's trying to see whether she can make enough money to buy a ticket for her husband to come and visit a man she had not seen in four years. <laughs> I laughed. I said, and they told you slavery has ended? Is it fun it takes that has ended? People are still bound. This time around, the chains are not physical. They are economic. I have a friend living in the United States. He's a medical doctor. He said something to me once. He's a banker. 
You don't know how this country works. He said once he had a patient, a Mexican. The man was ill. He came, he came to hospital. So they checked him out, checked everything. They found his heart was very bad. So they said to the man, we need to operate. So you're going to be in admission for some time. They need to clear his coronaries, you know, do some job there and try and free the artery so that he won't die of a heart attack. So the man said, no, that they should discharge him. He has to go. Ah, so he felt the man didn't understand him. He took a seat and sat down. I explained to him, sir, you don't seem to get what I'm saying. You could get up here and drop dead in our parking lot. So the man was not listening. The man said, I have to go. Ah. We don't explain to him, sir, your heart is very bad. You could die any time from now. The man looked at, he said the man was looking like, doc, please, I have to go. That you don't understand. I have to go to work. I have to go to work. I have to go. I have to work. I have bills to pay. I have to go to work. He said this man got up, signed whatever papers needed to sign, and he walked out. He told the doctor, "You don't get it. I have bills to pay. I can't stay here while you're operating on me and increasing the bills I have to pay." He couldn't believe it. All. The man walked out on him. I kept on telling him, "I have to go to work." I have to work. I have to work. He said, he kept on repeating it. I have to work. I have to work. I can hear the other part of it. And if I drop dead, fine. And you're talking about slavery. Nobody needs a chain to bind him. Economy, the economic structure had him bound. This is where I'm going. Except Jesus, Jesus frees a race of people, they can never be free. That's where I was going. Let me quickly get there. Except Jesus frees people, they can never be free. You know, there's something I said at that time. You know, when Barack Obama became American president, I was excited. I was excited because before that, I had discovered some truths from scriptures. And that truth, let's quickly read it, okay? I think it would be nice. I'm talking about what death is. For you to understand what Jesus came to do. When they separate us from God... Some of the things that God even allows. Let me just say something before you get angry. You know what they call slavery? This slavery we are talking about. Well, I'm not trying to be a popular preacher. Please, if you are not a Christian, don't listen to me. If you have not given your life to, your life to Christ, don't listen to me. If you are not trying to have insight into spiritual truths, don't listen to me. Because I will say things that will offend you. And you will now carry my matter to a newspaper or social media and say, Pastor Banky said... And I'll be, I'm sorry, and I'll be so angry with you. I'll do to you what Pastor Adeboye said he would do to anybody who messes with his wife. I'll be so angry with you. The other day we were talking, my class, my classmates and I, somebody quoted a prophecy from Pi Elton. So some of us were giving thumbs up. So one guy there who says he doesn't believe in God is at this, and that thing, so he worships access, I don't know. He said, what is this? I answered and I said, oh boy, just ignore it. It's above your pay grade. So if you are not a Christian, just ignore what I'm saying. If you stumble into this channel by chance, you have a choice of two. Watch to the end, give your life to Christ somewhere along the line or at the end, or log out and get out. Because I will say things that will, it will not sound good to you. Why? Because the current social environment will make those things, or already make those things, uh, make, uh, seem bad. So you will get offended. And you go and say, Pastor Banky said that homosexuality is bad. I didn't say so. The word of God said so. 
and I quoted it for you. I believe that word, and I'm asking you to believe it too. What am I, what, what, you know what I was about to say? Slavery may look like divine judgment, but if you look very well, it was one way, because you see one of the things that God does is to judge what I, I, I call the judging spirits. We'll read the scriptures in a moment. Each person that has come to this earth represents a spiritual trait. It's like a spirit possesses a person, and God has to judge that, truth, uh, that spirit to show to the whole universe whether it's good or bad. Many people that come to this earth, listen, so when it comes to races, races, each race represents a spirit also. And one reason why God keeps some people in bondage is for their own preservation until they will meet Jesus Christ. I look back at, at um, and this Israel slavery. Let me, there's a principle of remnant. You know what God did? He sent, as if you're not afraid, don't listen to me, so that's what I want to say. He sent his instruments. He said, go to that continent, extract from me certain people. And they did that. They took many. Many prophecies were fulfilled. But the point is that God looked and said, the way you look at the cluster of grapes and say, don't destroy, they're still good in it. The people were so bad. God said, they're still good in them. Bring them over to where I can preserve something that will come out of them. Because if you are left some people behind, many people that he left behind, they are not, they don't exist till today, you don't know. One village will get up to the next, go to the next village and kill everybody for no reason. But good enough before they came, God had taken some and sent them as slaves across the Atlantic. Because there is something about that lineage that God wanted to preserve. He said, these people, the only way you can preserve them is make them slaves. If you give them freedom, if you give them freedom, you don't know what they produce. Sometimes you read the Bible. God will look very wicked. He will tell Joshua, when you get there, kill everybody. Old, young, male, female. Kill their dogs too. If you find a cat, kill it. Find a goat, kill it. Anything you find there, kill. Burn everything. The metallic ones extract and do like this with them. He does that for some places. Other places say, look, kill the men of war alone. You leave the women Leave their goods. Plunder the goods. Take the goods and go home with it. And people say, this God is so wicked. Because they say, you don't know anything. Are you not a human being? You, you, are. you have doctors. Go and watch them treat cancer. Now, see, I know this job. Eh? The drugs we use for treating cancer, if they put it in your food, you will call police. Yet we inject it into human beings. Why? Because cancer is so bad. We fight with everything we have. You hear somebody's going for radiotherapy? You think radiotherapy is sunlight? If they don't measure it well, calibrate it well, it will fry the person's flesh. And I've been in meetings before. They say, okay, what do we do? We have given this amount of radiotherapy and the cancer is not responding. Can we give another shot? And the therapist said, no, sorry. No, the skin is too damaged. I can't radiate further. When they're discussing drugs, you think that it's chloroquine and uh, azathioprine they are using to treat uh, COVID. But if you know the drugs, deadly drugs. The other day, let me not mention it, one prominent man died. I told my wife, is it drugs that killed him? This is not Nigeria. I don't think it's a Nigerian doctor. He was treated in America's second biggest cancer center. After treating him for a few weeks, they sat him down and said, there's nothing else we can do. 
So he went home, died a few days later. I said to my wife, it's not the cancer that killed him. Because weeks before, we're still reading, he's saying that he has to take a short leave to go for treatment. A few weeks later, he was dead. So I said to my wife, do you know what killed him? She said, what? I said, it's the drugs. And it happens every day. He said, these doctors are wicked. No, the cancer is more wicked than them. What am I trying to say? Some races of human beings were cancers on the earth. God said the only thing we can do is to excise them and exterminate them. Amalekites, one of them. If you read the story of Amalekites, they were mean creatures. They preyed on the weakest. Some, some, some tribes, they don't like talking to weak people. Like typical Israel, the way God did Israel, they don't prey on weak people. When David wants to kill you, knock. I've come to kill. Can you fight? Then you two, two of you go out and go and fight it out. But these guys, Amalekites, they're not like that. When Israel will, be, Israel will be moving, they wait for the elderly, the sick, who will fall behind. Those are the ones they prey upon. And God bore with them for generations. So one day he said to Saul, it's time for my judgment. Go wipe them out. I don't want anything to survive. United Nations, we say it's war crimes. God said, listen, should I give you some of them in your country? And I come back in 80 years' time, whether you guys will survive? These are cancerous creatures, evil spirits, people upon which Satan rides into the earth. Some satanic spirits. This morning I was giving my wife one juice of one guy in America. For years he plotted to kill his whole family, a young university student. Finally, got one of his friends to agree to do it. That one came to the house, shot his father, shot his mother, shot his brother, and shot him in the arm for it to look like he was not part of it. So one smart policeman that looked and said, no, something is fishy here. His mother had died. His brother had died. His father miraculously survived. Of course, they caught him. And Texas put him on the death row. Now, his father is fighting that they shouldn't kill him. That this murderer is the only surviving member of my family. I said to my wife, this morning we're talking about it. I said, you think those things are normal? An evil spirit entered into him. And what was it about? Two reasons he wanted to kill his whole family. One, he said he was in school. He had left school. He didn't want his father to know. Secondly, his parents had money. Those are the kinds of spirits that God will look at and say, let me save you people from it. Kill all the Amalekites. Spirits have to... Spirits have to... Why do you think Satan came to be speaking English with Adam and Eve? If he had power, you think he would be speaking all that kind of grammar? He went there to be talking because he needs a place to rise through. When they gave him space, he jumped upon Cain and and killed Abel. If you don't understand... No, satanic influence, demonic influence. You won't know what's going on in the world. Sometimes you look at what God is doing. When you're reading your Bible, listen, you know what Elihu said? I will get my wisdom from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. Anytime you're reading scriptures, remember, God is righteous. You know what David said? His way, is it David or Moses? Moses. He said his way is perfect, or his ways are perfect. And all, no, how do you say it again? His word is perfect and all his ways are just. 
a God of faithfulness without injustice. He said, good and upright is he. Read those things well. His work is perfect. All his ways are just and righteous. He says he's a God of faithfulness without injustice. He said, good and upright is he. So when he says, that Christ be Canaan, a servant of servants he will be. Don't ever forget. He was judging certain spirits. And he said the only way to preserve the, deriv- the descendants of this man is to place them in servitude. It will go on for generations, but it's the only way they will be blessed. If I leave them on their own. People talking about in Africa, Africa, Africa. I just look at them. I say, you don't know history. So he said, our culture. He said, let's get back. All the things they carried, all the demonic worship items that Uyibo man carried to his country. Why do you think his people are going mad after he came to Africa? He, tra- he traveled, carried demons along. Put them in museum. Once their children go there, they come back home and say, Daddy, I think I'm a girl. 15-year-old, but something is a girl. Why won't you think you're a girl? You're coming from a museum where you were staring at a, a, a you know, a... Maybe it says a mask. A beneath mask. Hmm. The demons stay now they stare at each other. Mm-hmm. You are staring at staring. Thing possesses the boy. The boy reach home. He begins smoking bow. Next he takes a gun, shoots his neighbor. You don't know, you went to a shrine. When I say collect you know now they want to return it and we are there collecting. He <laughs> found the one. Like like. No, we dash you. Thank you for colonial rule. Take it. People will be using idols to decorate of this. <laughs> Nonsense. Take it. Carry it. Don't bring it back. He said this is the original masquerade from one part of Ebola. Carry it. Keep it there. We don't want it again. We, we, we now go to church. Say no. They, they, they call it artifacts and artwork. At, eh, at Guinea. Evil spirit. Deity that they were worshipping. We dash you. When all of Nadon Christ finish, you would understand why we gave it to you and we don't want it back. <laughs> but I set it on fire. If you didn't take it, we would have burnt it when Christians, you know, when Christians would come, they used to burn things. They don't keep them. They burn things. Things that carry evil spirits around. The Lord is good. Let's read the story. I said we should put somewhere, right? Did that tell us where? Genesis. I want to read the story of Noah again. When he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he said, he will be. All right. That will be Genesis chapter, I did, okay, yes, chapter 9. Verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. Please notice that Moses was careful to point out the lineage of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. The whole earth. Now verse 20, Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk, and he uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, again Moses emphasized it, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth, 
took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now, please, let's look at it again carefully. There are three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Moses told us Ham was the father of Canaan. The next, he said something that Ham did, and he reminded us that this is the father of Canaan. Now, when Noah woke up from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And may God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. That's what I want to read. This is where slavery came from. Or this was where it began. This was where slavery began. I don't want to, anytime I get here, I don't like to emphasize the slavery and the genesis. We are talking about what salvation is. This is one of the things that Jesus came to liberate us from. My emphasis is, is on what salvation is. When God spoke about death, you must understand. We said everything we said. It's, it's for us to understand that once people have left the true knowledge of God, they walk into confusion. They walk into death. And one of the consequences of death is what I'm saying here. And like I said earlier, God even allowed that to even mitigate the effect. Like I said, both in the, even when he's judging, he's still merciful. But this is the real foundation of it. And that is why, except, listen, when they talk about slavery, like I was saying, we talk about slavery like the white man and the black man. We've already seen that that's not where it began. Amongst ourselves, we're slaving ourselves. But amongst the races, this is the reason why a certain race or certain races were down and others were up. Now, you are asking if you do not know the answer, which I've taught here before. Why did he say, cause be Ham? Why did he say, cause be Canaan? When Ham was the one that sinned. When we studied this, I looked at it carefully. I came to a conclusion. I've not had any reason to change my mind after all these years. Why God said cursed be Canaan is this. I think actually he didn't say cursed be Canaan. I think he said cursed be Ham. Now remember I said God is judging spirits. Anytime you see things like that, just know that that curse is not only for Canaan. It's for anyone that's like Canaan. The Bible is very dense. When I say dense, these few lines we read, if God was to expand it for us, like I discovered something just today, that Noah probably did not pronounce that judgment that day. Why? Because those patriarchs, we discussed it, okay, well, somewhere else I was talking. They were prophets. They were not blessing people the way they liked. People asked the question, like, why did not, that, that was where the discussion came from. Aside from that, they were having that discussion. When Jacob lied and came and presented himself as Esau, Remember the story. Then later on, Isaac found out. Why did Isaac not reverse the blessing? That was one question somebody was asking. Of course, the answer is very clear. It's in the scriptures like that. But I'm not discussing that in detail. But the simple reason is this. Isaac was not just blessing for the sake of blessing. Isaac was prophesying. And before that, God had told Isaac 
This is how the prophesying session will go. You will, the person who brings you this, you will pour a blessing upon him in accordance with my plan for the individual's life. So Isaac was discovering. He was not deciding. When he discovered, his favorite was Esau. The mother's favorite was Jacob. Isaac, at that time, God rendered him blind deliberately. Go and check, he could not see. His father saw for much longer. His son saw for much longer. And Isaac probably recovered his sight. If you check it, he lived for much. The next more than 20 years, he was still alive. Because Jacob came back, and he and Esau buried him. And he was in Laban's house for 20 years. But for that season, God didn't let him see. So that he would not use his own desires to score to what he wants to do. Which is exactly what happened with Jacob. When Jacob wanted to bless, God had told him who he would bless. Ephraim collects the bigger blessing. It wasn't about desire. So those guys were prophets. They used to prophesy. So you will see at the end of time, at the end of his days, Jacob will say, my sons, come. Let me tell you what will be following the future. Same thing with Moses. He gathers the tribes of Israel and begins to tell them things about their destiny. And you see, when um, Reuben, the firstborn, took his father's concubine, Reuben said nothing until he was about to die. He said, Reuben, my firstborn, the beginning of my strength. But you will not excel because you are unstable as water and all of that. He said this years after it had happened. Why? Because it was not just that experience. It was a particular lifestyle the people were living. Ham lived like that. His sons lived like that. Possibly the worst of the lot was Canaan. But one thing about it is that that curse was upon Ham. And it was upon the other three sons, apart from Canaan. Cush, Put, and Mizraim. All of them had the curse upon them. But Moses, that, that, you see, Moses kept on emphasizing, this is the father of Canaan. This is the father of Canaan. He wanted to, he was writing this for Israel to know why they were taking the land of Canaan. The books were not written at random. So he was saying, that, look, we are going to take the land of Canaan. It began from when Noah pronounced a curse. Now, he wasn't writing to Africans then. But God knew he would enlighten our hearts when the time would come. So one day I was studying, and he let me see. The bank, he listened carefully. The curse that was on Canaan was also on Put. The curse that was on Canaan was on Cush. It was on Mizraim also. And I said to them, a servant of servants they will be. It was a prophetic word judging a particular kind of spirit races of human beings will have. I'm just giving us an idea what they call death. I say all the time, Christians, when you want to judge politics, judge with insight. They say the problem with Africans is that we have bad leaders. Why do we have bad leaders? When the same leaders will get up and go to America, they become good leaders. When their descendants will go to places, they become good. They Even the good ones come home, they try to do things. They find forces stronger than them, keeping things from happening. So they say a portion of Africa, Africa, black Africa developed. It was developed by white people, South Africa. Listen, there is a reason. Listen, there's a reason. There is a reason. There is a reason. I'm talking about the power of death for you to understand. So when death is walking, it makes human beings slaves. He said, a servant of servants they will be. That's to explain what death does. It's an illustration. So people will struggle. I'm bringing that illustration to bring out something. So people will struggle and struggle and struggle 
They can't just break away from it. Obasanjo came into power and swore. He gave us a date that Nigeria will have uninterrupted power supply. 13 years after he left office, we've forgotten he ever made that statement. Nobody even discusses it anymore. They're not discussing whether they should collect the discos back or Jenko's back because the LTC and all the while, confusion everywhere. It's not for lack of desire. It's because God said concerning Edom. He said, Edom, they said we will gather. God said, then I will scatter. <laughs> I'm talking about the meaning of the word death. So when God said to Adam, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. He wasn't joking. He said, you will have problems, though. Like I said, I don't want to start teaching about the curse of Eve. Look at Eve. Ah, Eve. For this thing you have done. He said, in pain you will bring forth children. He wasn't talking about labor pains. Alone. He said, your desire will be for your husband. He said, he shall rule over you. Is there, I don't want, that's, in fact, that can just be discussed in the context when we're talking marriage. It's important. And that's why, listen. The other day I was in my office. They were talking about one lady said she left her husband. I said, ah, do young people leave their husbands? I thought it's, uh, it was because a young person. You understand my point? I said, ah, why should you go come out her husband? So one guy, the young man said, hmm, women are very terrible. And that woman was there. He said, no, chief, don't, you know, my people will use chief for seniors. That guy was senior. He said, chief, don't say like that too. So I was, I was the most chiefy chief that day, you know, so, so I was watching the two of them. He said, don't say like that, chief. <laughs> the guy looked, said, women can be very terrible. Though. The lady looked and said, hmm, you don't know men. Finally, I intervened. I finally said, listen, let's just make it 50-50. <laughs> I, I told the guy, I said, I, I used to be like you too. I said, because I thought that women were very terrible. Because a number of reasons. Why? One, I'm a very nice guy. I never do anything bad. So all my ways are good, perfect. My wife has never, I've never made her cry, you know. I've, I've always done it. If you believe that, you know you are going to hellfire. So. <laughs> so I told them that, you see, maybe because of that. And then. My dad was also a very, very, very quiet person like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Again, that's a joke, all right? I'm the exact opposite of what he was when it comes to... Although, you never can tell. He was already an older person when I grew up. I know married men get quiet with age. Have you noticed that? Do I have a witness in the house? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, okay, all the married men. They are putting up their hands. They on us. Oh. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> so we're just joking. At the end of the day, I said... So I told the guy, I said, I used to think like that because I, I said, but now, after I saw crazy men, I made up my mind. Some people say, let's go and check whether there's madness in their family. No, check whether the guy is mad himself. This one, you are going to check madness in the family. Some people are just crazy. When their wives will tell you what the men do. You know, when you hear it, you want to shoot somebody. So that day, I was just, when I started, we started talking, talking about the issue, the curse of Eve and all of that. Now, this one, I'm going. Let's talk about the women's side. I realized that when women see trouble, okay, so young women, they arm themselves ready. So you want to marry her, she's waiting for you. She won't say to her, yeah, I love you, amen, praise God. Will you marry me? Yes. Then one pastor, Banky, will ask them, do you take, I say, yes, I do. The guy don't plan for you. She's not wicked, though. She says that the one that my father did to my mother, no man would do to me. The one my uncle did to his wife, nobody's doing to me. She don't, she's ready for you. 
So one day you say, why don't you sit on this side? You say, what's wrong with where I'm sitting? You're like, what did you say? Yes, I said it. I said, move over here, sit here. No, I sit where I like in this house. Ah. And you check the vegetable. Is it normal Uguavi is something there? Because you're wondering. <laughs> where did it start from? Is her desire not to be trampled on? Why I'm telling the story is this. And then they know what happens. God said, He will rule over you. The man said, Oh, that is the way you want it. I will show you that. Make a long story short. The spirit of death enters into the home because the woman beat of that tree, not realizing that when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are bringing forth death into that home. In a few weeks, they scattered. Why? Because she determined that nobody will lord it over me. Not knowing. Listen, I know what I'm saying. Freedom is only in Christ. It's only in Christ. And I want to say to those of us who have believed in him, the way of Christ is the best way. If he says, husbands, love your wives. Listen, didn't he say, love your perfect wives? Did he say so? When they say, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Did he say, when is very reasonable? He didn't say so. Take those two instructions. People say, but what if, don't what if so that you can disobey. What if to solve obedience? I don't know what I get my point. You know, you can ask a question with the intent to justify your disobedience. Or you can ask a question with the intent to overcome every obstacle to disobedience. I don't know whether you got what I said there. Mary asked a question. She was blessed for it. The right hand of the king in Israel asked the same question and died for it. Because even though on the surface they sounded alike, the intents were different. That one said to Elisha, when Elisha said, by tomorrow there will be breakthrough in Samaria, and a bowl of rice will go for 200 naira. That is, one uh, painter of rice will be sold for 100 naira. He said, can this thing be? Even if God like, let him open the windows of heaven. The prophet looked and said, what? You will see it. You will not eat of it. Very next day, it happened. They sent him to go and maintain order. The crowd trampled him down and he died. Generations later, another young woman, another person, a young woman this time around, said the same thing to an angel. And she was blessed. He said, how shall these things be? Seeing that I know no man. And the angel said, let me explain my young sister. The spirit of God will overshadow you. And that which will be conceived and born of you will be called the son of God. And the woman said, this your explanation is as confusing as my confusion before I asked the question. So let's just summarize it like this. Let it be unto me according to your word. Let it like that. And when she went to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, blessed is he, is she that has believed that there shall be a performance of that which was spoken by the Lord. So there's a way you can ask a question with the intent to justify disobedience, or there's a way you can ask the same question, the intention is that how do we obey when it is hard? Help us. The truth is that only in following the instructions of God, that is where we find safety. I'm trying to explain what death is. So when people want to pre- pro, you know, protect themselves, and they follow their own way, they end up with death. The marriage will break down. The man and the woman will become boxers in the house. Trouble one after the other. Something will go wrong with all of them. 
When that is operating, I talked about, you know, I talked about slavery. So you see, all this one you see, okay, I was going to say something. That's how I, be, I began that. I lost track because I was saying so many things. You know, so when George Floyd matter happened in America, and let me say something. I'm talking about America thing. Let's be very careful. When God is blessing you, please, that's how we do all this teaching. God said, you shall remember, it is the Lord thy God that giveth you what? Power to make wealth. Why? Because your cattle will increase. Your field will expand in size. Your barns will be full. You see vineyard everywhere producing luscious, you know, amount of stuff. He said, don't forget to, it is the Lord thy God. This is what I'm talking about it, United States. You know, when Barack Obama, you know, I said that along the line, then I now went to explain some things. When he became president, I was excited. I was excited. I was excited because I'd read this portion we just read. When he said, curse be Canaan. And I found out, time will not let me go into all those details. I'll just explain it briefly. I found out that this is the reason why the Africa, listen, that's how spiritual things work. You can have a lot of questions along the line. We'll be modifying it here and there as it gets to different situations. But the general pervasive spirit is that the descendants of Ham were operating under a very negative influence. Occasionally they will rise, but they always fall. They will fight, 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 rise, they come down again. True freedom is only in Christ Jesus. Around that time I studied this, and I found out what God came to deliver us from. One of the reasons, listen, I can go abroad, nothing wrong with going abroad, probably watching me from abroad, it's okay. But I would never go abroad looking for food. I would never go about looking for prosperity. I will never. Do you know why? I'm afraid. You say afraid? Yes, learn to fear God. I'm afraid of going away from the center of God's plan because only there is there true freedom for me. And anytime people want to beat you away from the, from the center of God's plan, it's always an offering of food. I'm afraid because this is what I call fear. I don't want to walk like Japheth. And rush into the tent of Shem for a blessing. Because if I start behaving like that, and my name is not Japheth, I will start operating under the curse of Ham. I believe so strongly that Jesus has set me free. So I must never do anything that will take away the freedom I have in him. Otherwise, the spirit out there, once I leave the cover of Christ Jesus, is the spirit of Ham. I will end up becoming a slave. And if you know me, I hate slavery. Sometimes when we are driving, I see yellow light, I quickly stop. I tell my wife, I say, I don't want to tell that policeman in front, sorry. Let me stop. They'll be hunting. Pum, 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 pum. I say, leave it, leave it. I stay here. Why? I don't want anybody to tell me. <clears throat> Why did you move? And they say, coffee is 8 o'clock. I should be in my house by 7.30. I don't want to hear. Horse, who goes there? Advance to be recognized. I don't want any stories. Seven thirty. I'm going to my house. If you say coffee is eight o'clock, I don't want any story. I hate the concept of prison. I the the thought of it. I hate the idea of slavery. I hate it. I don't watch black history films. You must have to talk about it. I don't watch black history films. If you get here, you want to show me a black history film, I get up and walk out. I can't watch it. It drives me to tears. I can't. When it's showing black history films, I get up and walk away. I can watch Holocaust films. Though. I will sit down. My wife has been cooking since this lockdown began. 
My husband cooking some fantastic orishi rishi. I will sit down and be eating my orishi rishi while Hitler is killing six million people in front of me. And I'll be saying, wicked man, I will bite. Wicked soul, I will bite. I can't take a drink if it's a black history film. They talk about the lynching in Mississippi. I can't watch it. You show me a film, Mississippi burning. I turn my head away. Color purple. I turn my head away. I saw one story yesterday. Many of you may not have heard it before. What they call the Igbo landing. Go and read about it. The Igbo landing. Igbo, the Igbo, you know, the old Igbo that most of you here are. They brought a batch of Igbo slaves to America. They said instead of being slaves, they walked into the water and drowned. They keep, First, they killed all the slave people on board. When the ship, you know, docked, the story has been changed here and there. They don't necessarily walk out whether they were running, but they said there was a particular song they were singing. They said, the water brought us here, the water will guide us home. They walked into the sea and drowned, all of them. They said, no, we'd rather drown than be your slave. It's a part of Georgia. It's still there till today. They will tell you this was where the slaves they brought from, from a part of Nigeria. What is now, it was not Nigeria at that time. Say, what is now Nigeria? They brought some slaves from here. Those guys said, lie, lie. This is the plan. Sorry. Because they knew they would catch all of them. They filed into the water and drowned. Me? Slavery? So if you see me sit down, they say there's no light, I sit. That's my reason. Power is not constant. Bukaram is bombing. I say, Jesus has set me free. I will not set my, sell my freedom for money. Never. I would rather walk into that water and drown than be a slave. Especially that Jesus has set me free. Listen, I appreciate Christ too because he has taught me spiritual things. When I began to have children, do you know, I would look at my children and say, somebody will sell this boy as a slave while I watch. I understand, Pastor Ia Deboe. I will kill you. Kill you. Kill you so thoroughly. Resurrection money, you won't be able to wake up. <laughs> I'm telling you. Some of the ways I behave, that's why. Anytime I go to America, I make sure, I don't dress like this. I don't wear t-shirts. And I always wear African clothing. I can wear jeans, but on top must be colored. I must look like I'm coming from Ghana. You know? And that is... <laughs> don't confuse me. Don't me. No, really. Maybe it's just the understanding I have. I mean, you may not reason like that, okay? The understanding I have. Now, let me not forget what I'm going to say. So it's Jesus that sets us free. The spirit of slavery is out there. Now, the worst experience American blacks had was the presidency of Barack Obama. They did not know it. I was telling that when he became president, I rejoiced. Oh, I rejoiced. Why? Because I read this. That the curse of harm it remains there. It, it doesn't go away. You must understand the way spiritual things work. It does not go away. It remains there until this earth passes away. However, God created a blessing above it and said, if you are a descendant of harm, Indeed, even if you're a descendant of Shem, I kept Shem. Listen, you must understand this. I kept Shem. The spirit that Shem represents was the spirit of the Savior, the spirit of the Redeemer. I kept Shem for the purpose of bringing forth a man, a spirit called Abraham. Abraham bought into that spirit. 
And through him, I will, because of him, I will be able to bring the Redeemer to the earth. Shem, therefore, his purpose in life was to bring forth the Redeemer. That was the purpose of Shem. But, I'm talking about the curse. Now, when the Redeemer comes out, even Shem himself is still under the curse of Adam. He was under the curse of Adam. But when the Redeemer comes, Shem can go into the blessing of the Redeemer. Japheth can go into the blessing of the Redeemer. So can Ham. And when they get into the blessing of the Redeemer, which is what we call Christ, there, there is no slave or free. All are one in Christ Jesus. There is no male or female. What does that mean? There is no curse upon Eve in Christ Jesus. There is no curse upon anybody if they are in Christ. What the white man can be, he can be better. I hope you're getting my point. And what the better white man is, the black man can be. I hope you're getting my point. It's not just that the black man can be what the white man can be. Both of them can become what God created them and there will be no difference. But this is the emphasis. This only exists in Christ Jesus. Now the spirit of Christ was being poured forth as we were preaching the gospel. God said, like Jesus said, let them dwell together. Don't worry about it. You see a mixture of the Redeemer, the spirit of the Redeemer, and people are still walking under the old. What do I mean? So people like, um, what's his name? The, the British man that started campaigning against slavery. The one we ascribe to ending slavery. It was a campaigner against it. The British man. Oh, they don't do history these modern days. Okay. Those who used to read, read about um, Lord Lugard, Mary Slessor, those are Nigerian things. But there's this William Wilberforce. Yes. So people like William Wilberforce arose. And they were a sign. Please bear it in mind. They were a sign of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Listen. I was in Cape Coast Castle there. My wife and I went there. And we were there and they were showing us what the, where they used to keep the slaves. And our guide explained that above that was an Anglican chapel. Right above. The roof of the dungeon was the floor of the church. Do you get the point? So he said, that's hypocrisy. You are holding other men as slaves, yet you are there worshipping. We didn't have a personal chat. I wanted to tell you, oh, guy, you don't make understand. That church is the reason why this dungeon is not a tourist site. If that church was not there, this dungeon would still be active today. Maybe I will have passed through here. And I've gone to America in chains, maybe. But because that church came, freedom came. It took time. Maybe over 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. But eventually that light shone through the roof, penetrated into the dungeon, and turned it to a tourist site. The only thing that will give freedom. Listen, oh, I'm not here to teach American spiritual history. But you'll have found out that, do you know, even when God makes you a slave master, be kind though. Because when you are not kind, he will punish you later. I found out for all the years that they hung slaves, cut their hands, and did all of that, God punished them for it. He killed one million American white soldiers, American white people, 700,000 soldiers, and 300,000 non-combatant people, white, to pay for that. He killed. Yeah, God got up and killed. One million. What was it? It was payment for the slaves you hung. 
It was payment for the black man you strung on the tree and burnt, you know, and hung him for nothing. God said, I'm watching and I'll make you pay. He killed one million. They called the American Civil War. It was fought over slavery. God said, no, it was my punishment for the evil they did. Even when you are serving the purpose of God, be careful. He's watching how you are serving it. If God says, slap somebody, you go there. God, now elder, just know that he thinks you are a fool and that you will do it. And when you finish slapping him, that man will have been punished for something else. Then he will not cut your finger for slapping your elder. He said, boy, God, you were the one that said I should go and slap him. He said, you should have no. He said, I said that because you have a habit of slapping people older than you. I knew you would do it. He said, Lord, he said, you watch you. You call your friend. Hey, you slap that old man. That one will look and say, sir, he's an elder. I have never done such before. He said, good boy. Now call his senior brother that said you should slap him. Then that one will now go and call somebody older than him. He will now slap that man. And the slapping will have been done and two lives will have been saved. That's how God, God does. He told the I Assyrians, the weapon of my wrath, leave them. When they finish doing what I want them to do, then God will now turn around and punish them. That's what God does. When God wants to liberate his oppressed, he knows he took one million white American lives to pay for all those years. He did. And incidentally, he warned before them, Thomas Jefferson. There was something he said, very, very interesting. Jefferson said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can liberties, can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have moved their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God. He said, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. He said that, I think 40 or 50 years later, the civil war broke out. Because God is just. So when people are shouting, don't worry. God's watching who is discriminating against who. He will give each person his or her just recompense of reward. He does that. They treated slaves anyhow. God said, no problem. They paid one million white lives he took. Why did he do that? Go and hear about the Negroes and their Negro spirituals. Those men heard the gospel in that country. A lot of them became believers. And people who become believers, they tend to pray. Eventually, God declared liberty for everybody. Now, when God has declared liberty, it takes time. Because what happens is that the spiritual basis for liberty must become real in your own personal life before you can outwardly enjoy it. What he does is that he begins to work on each person for you to start learning the liberty spirit. Now, you see where I'm going in a moment. And he kept on working. So when I read this, and I realized that redemption is in Christ Jesus, that this, there's no reason why any African man should still be under bondage, even only they will believe in Christ. I finished teaching this, I think that year, or the following year, Barack Obama won the American presidency. You can imagine my excitement. I preached a message on it. If you go to our website, you will not find it, because the man's name is Jeroboam. After he started doing what he did, I went to the website and removed the message. I was ashamed. I know you're waiting for me to say you go to our website, you'll find it. Lie, lie. When I saw the ikabodness of his behaviors, you know what's ikabodness? When the glory departs from above a man, I said, what? This is where I'm going. Instead of, you see, 
Liberty is spiritual. It's Christ that gives liberty. They made this half Kenyan brother president. His major assignment was to send them back into slavery. But they did not know. Why? Because he promised them liberty. So what is the idea of liberty? If you want to kill your unborn child, it's called choice. You should be able to make that decision. Then he wrote executive commands for them. If a child says, a 12-year-old boy comes and says, I'm not a girl, you must permit him to use the girl's bathroom. He pushed Joe Biden forward. Joe Biden said, why can't a man marry a man? I watched it that time when he said it. And Obama said, if, of course, that's how politicians behave. I'm not trying to preach politics, but I can't help it. You see, you know, what's his name, Donald Trump? His mind is not half as evil as some of the other people that are criticizing him. The only difference is that he's not a politician. So he says what he wants to say, not what he wants to hear. The other guys, souls sold to the devil. They tell you what you want to hear, not what they are thinking. They tell you what you want to hear. Don't worry, he's not worse than them. They say he's racist, he's not a, he's a lie. They are more racist than he is. The difference? He tells you what he thinks. They, they will check what the population wants to hear. If all of you are routing, routing, hey, George Floyd, George Floyd, they will come out to George Floyd, George Floyd, hey, 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 George Floyd, they come and say, hey, come on, come on, kick, kick those niggas out. They will say it inside their hearts. On the surface, they will do anything you want to get your vote. So they decided to send Joe Biden out to go and check what Americans think. Joe Biden said they should be allowed to marry. Obama was waiting. A few days later, he came out. He said that he has good people who want to make a commitment, but their law will not allow. Obama said they should be allowed to marry. Then, of course, Supreme Court, they don't like going against the president. It's just it's an unwritten rule. Got down there, 5-4. I called my friend. I said, congratulations. He said, what happened? I said, you guys, men cannot marry, marry men in your country. Oh, he said, man, he that one. It's a 15-year plan at least. I'm not surprised. I got the, the news before he did. And then they now took the colors of the LGBT as lights and painted a white house. No physical paint, just lights. They flooded lights on the white house for God to look at it. And according to Sadhu Savaraj, they gave God the finger. Still God, God will help. I looked at it. I said, you see, you don't understand. The freedom you are looking for, you just lost it. You just lost it. They thought that, oh, when Obama becomes president, they'll be, no, no, no. Obama can't grant equality. No head of state can grant it. Those guys don't have as much power as you think. Freedom comes from God. If the American blacks understand what is going on, they should thank God that a man like Donald Trump came, who came back into the White House, carried his Bible proudly. They said, ah, he touched one woman 17 years ago. God said, if I forgive him and you remind me, I will kill you. Mr. Reminder, what are you? You want to remember what I have forgotten? I'm not here to campaign for him, oh, please. So you know, can you vote? So let's leave that one. That's not my point. My point is that anyone who's pushing you towards godliness is pushing you towards true liberty. Oh, that's the message. True liberty is found only in Christ Jesus. He came to take you out of bondage, slavery. Embrace him. So now I look at it. If I were women, hmm? if I was a woman, that means if only me now, now women. Do you get my point? 
I will embrace Jesus Christ, serve him till I die. Oh, yes, I will. I will. Because ever since the days of the garden, they were put down as second-class citizens. Every country, they are second-class. Listen, I'm not talking about the laws. I'm talking about practice. You hardly hear of single fathers in America. You hear of single mothers. For every single father you have, you have 20 single mothers. They are the ones that suffer. I always tell people that when they have all these funny, funny doctrines, one shave, always shave, whatever, I say, let men believe it. Women don't, you, women just go to the, as conservative, believe that if you tell one lie, you go to hell. Just believe it like that. Keep yourself righteous. Because the natural order of things is that you suffer more. Where there is no Christ, do you know what happens? The man, look at David. Good man. Man after God's heart. Married, I don't know how many women, I don't know how many concubines. One man, one wife. You don't preach near David. He doesn't understand it. You go to Arab countries, that's the way it is. Everywhere, women suffer. They do. You now go to countries where they say they have the foundation of Christianity, but the practice they have lost. The women still suffer. They, after divorce, they are the ones that suffer the most. It's something my wife tells me a lot of time when they're having issues with her husband. <laughs> I was one of her friends the other day. He said, yeah, he said, in fact, he told me he's going to call the woman. I said, come. Just let me just tell you something. When this all this gragra you are doing has calmed down, now you go suffer. That this guy, when you have gragrad him, and the guy, the lady's husband is very handsome. Are you getting my point? That the guy will get up, one fine guy like this, will go and, in the same church, seven women will marry him. This one, yeah, ding, 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 and you, they will give him one label. So just told the woman, say, ah, my sister, just humble thyself under the mighty hand of God. <laughs> if I were women, if only me, women, I will marry Jesus, hold him, worship him in the morning, afternoon and night, because he's the only one that came and truly liberated them as a group. So a true Christian woman can, can expect that this man is mine, and mine alone. That every part of his body is mine. Only Jesus gave her that right. And Islamic like Nabuja said, if you're a woman, you want to marry only your husband all by yourself. You are greedy. I read it too. That you are entitled to only 25%. That if you want to take a 100 only, only she. How can you take 20, 100% of a, a man? He preached it up in the public lecture. But God said, it's not like that. No, Jesus said it's not like that. In Christ Jesus, he says it's not like that. There's you, you are, you are an heir of God or a heir of God. She, she's one. And you must treat her like that. If you don't, next time you pray, I want to you. So you go out, your car will enter gutter. Why? The way you treat your wife. Soldier will slap you. Coffee is 8 o'clock. Oh. 7.55. The soldier's clock is fast. <laughs> And by the way, when a man younger than you disciplines you, don't be angry with him. Ask God, what did I do? According to Alibaba, Alibaba said there are different kinds of slaps. There's a slap that provokes meditation. That when they slap you, go and say, what exactly did I say to that man? You, move, you stop again and say, is it the way I said it? What is the problem? <laughs> God said, that's what will happen to you if you don't treat your wife nicely. Is the only one that came to liberate women folk from the bondage that sin took them into.
What is death? That's what I'm describing. Death makes us slaves. We become economic slaves, emotional slaves, people hooked on drugs. There are those that wake up with coffee in the morning, sleep with the vellum at night. They can't stop anyone. If they don't drink the coffee, they can't function. If they don't drink the vellum, they can't sleep. In between, you see adult man, rich. His life is hooked on cocaine. He said, why do you drink so much? You know, like my wife and I always say, when God gives you sleep, you don't know what he has done for you. You now be preaching gospel to man. If you drink, you shall go to hell. The guy said, if I stay awake, I still go to hell. So what is the difference? Let me drink and sleep, then I will go to hell. Because if, he's, if he doesn't drink, he can sleep. Yeah, they're preaching, alcohol is not good for you. He said, bros, now because you did sleep. Some of us, if we don't knock ourselves out with a guguru, and once a few pills, we can never sleep. It's a form of bondage. It's a form of slavery. Some people that you see misbehaving, you don't, you think they want to misbehave? It's bondage. They are bonded to sin. My preaching today is that that is what Jesus came to save us from. Some people are afraid of tomorrow. Every decision they make is because of fear. That is what Jesus came, us, came to save us from. All kinds of bondage. We read the story of the prodigal son to bring out an issue here. You see, when he wanted liberty, what did he get? Death. He wasted his resources. He wasted everything that God gave to him. He wasted his spiritual resources, his physical resources. His soul was wasted until he remembered that he could go back to his father's house. I hope you're getting my point here. It was when he remembered that he could go back to his father's house that freedom came to him. Let's bear that in mind. That's already the story of the prodigal son. Anyone who wants to be free goes into bondage. That is what they call death. The father said, this my son was dead. But now that he has come back, he has begun to live. Let me end it like this. Jesus, let's read this one, John chapter 5, quickly. What Jesus came to do, you saw what happened to that prodigal son? What happened to him and his father? Can you give me one word? What happened to the relation between him and his father? Give me a word in English. It was what? Reconciled. Thank you. I knew you would say that. He was reconciled to the Father. The first thing Jesus does for us, or did for those of us who are believers already, is to reconcile us, or was to reconcile us to the Father. That reconciliation is the first step in salvation. Next time God is allowing it, I'm going to go on to talk about the three steps in salvation. We'll now see why some of these arguments don't make sense. If you're once saved, can you always be saved? You don't get the purpose of reconciliation. The purpose for reconciliation is to perfect the image of Christ in you. You cannot go and rest and say, I've been saved. You are not saved. You have been reconciled. We use the word salvation in different ways. There are three sides to salvation. There's reconciliation. There is progressive sanctification. And then finally, there will be what I call the final salvation, in which death and sin will be totally banished from your temptation life. That's the way it works. Sometimes we have these arguments. If a man is saved and he denies Jesus Christ, is he still saved? Well, I'll give you a straight answer. If a man is saved and he falls into sin, is this is this saved? Of course. Every little sin does not cancel your salvation. It doesn't cancel your reconciliation. The young man that's returned to his father, does it mean he will never disobey the father? It does not mean that. But if he packs his bag and goes away, is he still reconciled? The answer is no. 
You know, I was telling my wife today, I said, those who preach some of these things, I don't think they read their Bible. They just quote what is popular among their sect. Because Paul said it expressly. He said, don't boast, though. He said, the, the first people were, the first branches were cut off. You were grafted in. He said, let me let you know. You can also be cut off, except you persist in faith. That's what he said. I'm not the one that said it, though. Maybe we should read that one also. I said we should read somewhere, right? Yeah, let's just quickly read this one, and then uh, we'll go to that John 4, and then we'll, we'll close. Romans chapter 11, quickly. From verse 20. Verse 19. Say you, we say then, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but do what? No, answer me loud. But do what? Fear. Thank you. Fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who felt severity, but to you God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. Don't ever forget it. He said, and they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. The point I'm making is that he said, be careful. If you do not continue in your faith, you will also be cut off. If anybody tells you stories, tell him to read that portion. But let's read the main thing. What Jesus does for us is what? Reconciliation. John chapter what? Five. I want to just read one verse there. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. What did Jesus come to do for us? To bring us out of that death that we're talking about and bring us into life. Because of Christ Jesus, I don't feel inferior to anybody. If Ali Kudangote walks in here, Ali Kudangote is a very rich man. I hope you know that. Africa's richest man. World's richest black man. I'm not lying to you. If I see him, I will respect him only as a ruler amongst men. You're supposed to give honor to rulers. If you are paying my countrymen, 50,000 of them salaries, I should give you that respect. But I will not feel inferior to him one bit. And God knows I'm not joking. I won't look and say, Babake, if they enjoy you, enjoy waiting. I know how much I'm enjoying. I sleep very well. I am blessed. Very, very blessed. Today I went to the toilet. My wife was in the bathroom. I said, my wife, come and see how rich men do this thing. <laughs> I said, that is a rich man. I said, I, wanna, I wasn't counting cash. I was thinking, mm, amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding upon my colon. Amen. That does not have quantity in cash. It's when God withdraws it from you, you know what I'm talking about. Anytime you go to the toilet and it flows freely, just wash it. Put up your two hands. And said, Amen. The Lord is good. Said, do not take their spirit away from me. It's very important prayer. What am I going to say? Jesus has made us free. I'm not afraid for the future of my children. Not because I have money stacked up for them. You can't stack up money for your children. You can't. I hope you're not trying to. Let nobody preach to you that you should do it. Too. It makes no sense. I hope you get my point. Do what is right. Every day, take care of them for that day. Give them food. Give them education. Teach them godliness, most importantly. God will take care of them tomorrow. Fear of tomorrow will not rule my life. Why? 
That life belongs to Jesus Christ. This is what salvation is. Let's bow down and give a lot of thanks for this truth that we have learned today. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your truth that has come to us again today. Thank you. Thank you. Just give him thanks. That's what we're going to do today. Thank him because he has set you free from the bondage to sickness also. Every affliction in your body he paid. We'll talk about it along the line. He paid. You can receive your healing today. As that word is coming forth, melting up diabetes, dissolving the cancer cells one by one. Give him thanks for that. Give him thanks for that. Give him thanks for that.